Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler, the pastor of Faith Christian Center. Thanks for tuning in today. We believe today's message is going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. It's going to empower you to live a life that makes Jesus famous wherever you go. Open up your heart. We know God has something special just for you. And we believe that as you listen to today's message, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up. I'll talk to you today at the end of our broadcast. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful of that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. And so, you know, this verse, a lot of people stand on this verse, so well, we have to get back into the building as soon as possible. And number one, I don't judge anybody who's having church experiences or services right now. I don't judge anybody who's trying to get back into the building quicker, you know, and one of the things I encourage you, don't judge them because it's not your place to judge them. You say, well, I have an opinion. Well, that's great you have an opinion. We all have opinions, you know, but that doesn't mean we should give the opinions and judge other believers. You know, it says in the scripture, who are you to judge another man's servant? And so you say, well, I don't agree with what that pastor's doing, but he doesn't answer to you. He answers to Jesus. So the thing is, if you think that pastor, whoever it is you saw on social media, and remember, if you've seen on social media, that's probably only half the story or maybe even a quarter of the story or 0.5% of the story. What you should do instead of sharing and judging, you should take that to prayer. Because the thing is, the enemy will make sure that there's enough slander coming against the people of God. Don't help them out. So, well, I don't agree with them, but you don't have to share a post or tweet about it. Unless the Holy Ghost has told you to speak bad about that person and knowing his character, he's not going to tell you to do that. Then you take it to prayer. Don't be a party to unrighteous judgment because when you are, it opens that judgment to your life. And so while I don't judge all the other ones in doing it, you know, I believe each pastor has to follow the spirit of God for their congregation because they're charged by the Lord Jesus to lead the con their congregation the way that Jesus tells them to do it. And just like that, it is my job to lead faith the way I feel led in my spirit to do so. And so, you know, the wisdom of God is wrapped up in the word of God and the spirit of God. Although I miss seeing you in person, I really do. You know, I, if I have a preference, we'd all be together. And you know, of course, my preference is virus would never happen. And we would still be meeting together and all these different things. But we need to make sure we don't allow our preferences to get in the way of the will of God or what God is doing. And so I want to break down the scripture right here. What does the scripture actually mean when it says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but are exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching? Well, that phrase for assembling of ourselves together comes from a Greek word called episunagage, and it means assembling or gathering together. But when you look at that word, it, you hear a word clearly. You may not know any Greek, but there's a word that most of you recognize in that word, synagogue. And people are like, oh, that's the Jewish meeting place of worship. But let me give you some history on that word. Synagogues appear to have been first introduced during the Babylonian exile when the people were deprived of their usual rites of worship and were accustomed to assemble on the Sabbath to hear portions of the law read and expounded. After their return from exile, the same custom was continued when they returned to Israel. To recap, the term synagogue was developed in a time when the Jews could not meet in the way they were accustomed to, yet they still endeavored to gather together. Does that sound familiar? They had to meet in a way they weren't accustomed to, but you could say they adapted or they innovated. And the synagogue, the term synagogue was born, and that's how they met during exile and it's still how they meant when they returned to Israel. So even in this word for assembling ourselves together, there's a history of innovation and overcoming obstacles so that we can gather. Now go with me to Matthew 16. We're going to do a bit of history today. So if you're a history nerd like me, you can really enjoy some of the background of this. And if you're not a history nerd, just bear with us. It's important to the heart of the message. It'll be okay. Matthew 16. Verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say that you are John the Baptist, 
some Elijah, other Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, you know what's interesting about all the answers in verse 14? All the people they listed are dead. And so, the you know, you see the challenge of the spirit, spirituality at that time, that what a lot of the people who had some type of spiritual sense or had some type of opinion about it, they thought, oh, Jesus is one of the prophets who's been raised from the dead. So you can't just go by what's in a popular opinion or what, what people are saying, because what they could be saying could be completely off. But Jesus continues, just says, but whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, which means you are the anointed one. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say also unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, the word church here is actually the Greek word ecclesia. Now, let me tell you something about that term. Here's some more history. What you may not know is that it's not a religious term. It could refer to citizens gathering for civic purposes. It could refer to a legislative assembly. It was used to refer to soldiers called out to gather for military purposes. And Ecclesia was simply a gathering or an assembly of people called out for a specific purpose. Ecclesia never referred to a specific place, only a specific gathering. I'll say that again. Ecclesia never referred to a specific place, only a specific gathering. Jesus' audience may have been familiar with this term. From another context as well. The Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, describes the ancient Israelites as an ecclesia. Interestingly, when the Hebrew people were scattered around the world, they were still known as an ecclesia, an assembling, gathering community or a congregation. While dispersed, the people gathered in close-knit communities and established synagogues. Each community of God's people called its synagogue the local gathering of God's people and ecclesia, understanding to be a local literal gathering of people who are also members of the broad spiritual gathering known as Israel. In both secular and sacred literature, ecclesia always referred to a gathering of people united by a common identity and purpose. So let us sink in a little bit. And so as we understand what we just shared, and some of you know that already, if the Greek word means gathering, why don't our English Bibles just say gathering? Where did the word church come from? Most people think of church as a building, right? Most people, and it's okay to call the church, the building, a church. The Bible actually calls it. It's okay to call the building, the house of God or a church. That is still scripturally accurate. But most people think of the church of church only as a building or location. When Constantine became Roman emperor, pagan ideas from unrenewed minds came into the church with recent converts and those joining Christianity as the popular thing to do. And when those ideas came, the concept of church changed. It was no longer an expanding group of people sharing a unique identity and purpose. It became a location. The Romans called each of these gathering places a basilica, the Latin word used to denote a public building or official meeting place. Gothic or Germanic cultures, also influenced by Christianity, used the word kirka, which became kirch in modern German. The word meant house of the Lord, and it was used to refer to any ritual gathering place, Christian or pagan. This Germanic term became the one used most often to refer to the Ecclesia of Jesus, and from it we get the word church. Whereas the majority of your English Bible is a word-for-word -word translation of the Greek text, not so in this case. The word church is not a translation from the Greek, it is a substitution for the Greek. The German ter term kirch and the Greek term ecclesia refer to two very different ideas. A kirch is a location, an ecclesia is a purposeful gathering of people. A kirch is a location. 
And ecclesia is a purposeful gathering of people. Understand this. We are not a building. We are a community of believers gathered around a particular purpose founded on the revelation that Jesus is the anointed son of God. We have been called out for a specific purpose. We gather around a purpose, the vision God has given us. We gather around the vision to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. Everything we do from praise and worship to every message preached, to every outreach that we do, to all the things that we do online has to cooperate with the purpose that the Holy Ghost has given this assembly. See, you have to understand that hell's strategy is to make you kerchief. Yeah, I'll say it again. Hell's strategy is to make you kerchief, to make you think church is only a building for only specific time during the week, and that's the only time that the church exists. Hell will love to limit you to a building to a set time of the week. Jesus is building his ecclesia. He is building his called out ones who have gathered for a vision and we will fulfill the vision that he has given us. You have to understand the vision has not changed. And actually the vision has not slowed down or has, the vision hasn't been put on pause during this time. You might think, well, we had to pause the vision. We had to pause what God was calling us to do because we're sheltering in place. No, the vision hasn't slowed down. The vision has not been put on pause. The vision is still going forward. The vision is still going forward. So we're still continuing down the path to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. But if the vision is to keep going forward, we must be intentional in what we do. If the vision is to keep going forward, we must be intentional in what we do. So let me give you a few stats. I'll give you some stats throughout the series. But I'll give you just a couple stats to let you know some of the things that have been happening since we began to shelter in place from mid-March. We started small groups less than a week and a half ago. Since we announced small groups and gave people an opportunity to sign up, we've had 172 people sign up for small groups in a week and a half. And as I said, we have the Men of Faith, Women of Virtue, Next Level Singles, and Four Life Married Couples small groups available. These groups allow us to build community, have fun, receive encouragement, and grow in our faith. And if you haven't signed up for a group, go ahead and do so today. You see the graphics on social media. Some of you have already received email. You'll see more pushes throughout the week. Go ahead and sign up so you can participate in these small groups. Now, let me tell you about YouTube views. Everybody watching on YouTube, drop me a comment, drop me an emoji, in your favorite emoji if it's church appropriate, please. Type in an emoji, say hi, whatever, for all those who are watching on YouTube right now. For our YouTube views, we're comparing this to February, the month where we didn't have any COVID-related closures, the 29 days that were in February this year, versus the 30 days that was in April, our first full month of being sheltered in place and meeting online only. Compared February compared to April. We've seen a 239% increase of YouTube views and a 263% increase of minutes watched. We've seen a 239% increase of YouTube views and a 263% increase of minutes watched on the YouTube platform alone comparing February and April. Now let's talk about Faith Plus. Comparing February to April. We have seen a 439% increase in views. I'll say that again. We've seen a 439 increase in views on Faith Plus. And we've seen a 416% increase in unique viewers. Unique viewers, that's individuals watching. So we've seen a 416% increase in unique viewers. Now understand this. This is not including Facebook views. A lot of people are watching on Facebook right now. It's not including the Facebook stats. It's not including the Periscope stats. It's not including the people who have downloaded the app and have been watching replays through the app. We're not including those stats. We're just talking about the, the stats on YouTube and then the Faith Plus stream that's going out right now. What have we seen during this time? Increase. What do we see? The vision going forward. Now, as we're going to keep going forward, 
as I said, we have to be intentional in what we do. Every success first is a prayer success. Prayer is a great privilege and a great power that's been granted to the believer. On the Faith Plus app and at www.fccga.com and over the phone, we'll be meeting more often for prayer. Some of the ways are things we already do, and we're going to add some things to our times of prayer. Just because we're not in the building doesn't mean we can't meet, gather together and pray. We just have to be intentional. Every Wednesday, you can join us for prayer at 12.15. As you see it on your screen right now, you can join us at prayer at 12.15 by calling 605-472-5311. And you see the conference code on your screen. And every Wednesday at 12.15, we meet for prayer. And you can join us for that 30 minutes of prayer during that lunch hour. That's every Wednesday. Every first Saturday, you can join us for prayer at 10 a.m. by calling that same number that you still see on your screen and putting in that same conference code. And you can meet with us in prayer. Usually the first Saturday of the month, we used to be in the building, but now we're going to meet over the phone in prayer. And remember, there's no distance in the spirit. Just because we're not gathered together in the building doesn't mean God's not doing effective things as we gather together over different mediums and technology to pray together. Now, something new we're going to do. Every second, third, and fourth Friday, you can join us in prayer at 7.30 p.m. on the Faith Plus app. And on the Faith Plus app, you go to where it says Faith Christian Center Live, and you can join us in prayer there. Or you can just join us in prayer at fccga.com slash live. Those are two places you can join us for prayer on the second, third, and fourth Fridays of the month. In addition to those times, we'll be praying every Sunday night at 7 p.m. on the Faith Plus app, on the Faith Christian Center Live on the app, as well as fccga.com slash live. Now, the Friday night prayer is more general and we cover a range of things. The Sunday night prayer is focused on our first campus that we expanded to, the Marietta campus. So if you join us for prayer on Sunday night, it's going to be focused on what God is having us to do there and praying for that area. Friday prayer and Wednesday prayer and Saturday prayer is more general and more directed as we may be led by the Spirit in that moment. So as I said, Sunday night prayer is focused on our first campus expansion, the Marietta campus. Prayer is important. Every success first is a prayer success revivals and awakenings are birthed in times of prayer. So I encourage you, join us on the phone in prayer, join us on the app in prayer, join us on the website in prayer. We'll be praying together and we will see an answer to our prayers. The power of God will be manifested. Greater doors will be opened. More people will be won to Jesus. Lives will be transformed forever by the power of the word and the power of the spirit. So we're going to go forward. We must be intentional about being people of prayer. Now, let's look back at Matthew 16 again. Let's do some teaching. Notice what Jesus says to Simon Peter in verse 17. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. So Peter didn't say this revelation because he's parroting because someone else preached it. He received it from God. It came from his time of spending time with God. Now, the name Peter that Jesus gives Simon here, his name was Simon originally, now it's called Simon Peter. The name Peter here means small rock or a stone. And so he calls Peter, you're like a rock, you're like a stone. Then he says, upon this rock. The word rock here is not the same word for Peter. The word rock here means a large rock, a massive rock, or a foundational rock. So he's talking about two different rocks. Yes, Peter, you are a rock. But upon this huge rock, well, what is the huge rock? The rock of revelation of who Jesus is. All foundational revelation is on who Jesus is. So on the rock of revelation that Jesus is anointed, that he is the anointed one, that he is the son of the living God. Upon this rock of revelation, Jesus says, I will build my ecclesia or I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. One thing you can count on in this messed up, twisted up, confused world is that Jesus will build his church. Doesn't matter what's going on. Doesn't matter what is shut down. Doesn't matter what the government says. Doesn't matter what the economy says. Doesn't matter what's going on in the world. 
Jesus will build his church and he always has a plan. He always has a strategy. He always has innovation. He's always has anointing. He always has strength. He always has encouragement and he is building his church today. While you're watching this message, he is building his church. Now, how does Jesus build his church? See, there's a part of the building that he is responsible for. But there's other parts of the building that he's endeavoring to get us to do and allow him to work through us. There's a part of the building that the ministry gifts are responsible for. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But there's also part of the building that every individual believer has a responsibility for. That you watching right now have a responsibility in building the church Jesus is prophesying about in this verse. Every Christian has a part. Like I said, Peter's revelation came from spending time with God. Your life has to be built on the revelation of who Jesus is, your relationship with him, and the actions that outflow from that revelation and relationship. I'll say it again. Your life has to be built on the revelation of who Jesus is, your relationship with him, and the actions that flow from that revelation and relationship. As I said, all foundational revelation is about the identity of Jesus. Upon knowing and believing who he is, it should affect your view and your actions. Revelation should be evident in your actions. What you believe and what's been revealed to you should be evident in your actions. Go with me to Luke chapter six. We'll get into this a little bit more. Luke chapter six. We're gonna look at verse 46. Notice what Jesus says here. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? And remember that word Lord means supreme authority. So why do you call me supreme authority? And you don't do what I say. Notice this parable, Jesus says. Whosoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that hears and does not is like a man that without foundation built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Now, let's dive in to this parable a little bit. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, Jesus says, I will show you who he's like. He's like a man who built a house. But notice how he built the house. What did he do first? It says dig deep. He dug deep. So he didn't just do a, you know, it's took a shovel ceremony and just built the house flat. No, he went down deep and began to dig. If he's digging, he is tossing out things that don't need to be there. See, a lot of times we have issues in our Christian life because we don't go, we don't dig deep enough to root out the things that don't belong there. And it says after he dug deep and he got the stuff out that needed to get out, he laid the foundation on a rock. And see, the thing is, when it comes to our individual lives, you must make yourself available to hear the word of God. If you want the word of God to dig deep into your heart, you have to make yourself available. You have to be as intentional about hearing the word of God as you would be as intentional about driving to a physical location to hear the word of God. So you have to be intentional about getting the word so the word can go down deep, dig in your heart, and uproot the things that need to be uprooted. You must hear the word and you must do the word. This is a continual process, not a one-time thing. It's great that you're watching today, but it's not just a one-day thing. It is a lifestyle of continually hearing the word and doing the word. So what's in here can get out. Although we are gathering online, we need to be intentional about getting the word. We have to be intentional. You can hear me say that word again and again. We have to be 
intentional about getting the word. Because if we're not intentional, you know, you know how life happens. We just won't get it. We'll make plans. We're like, oh yeah, you know, I'll, I'll do this, I'll do that. And then it just doesn't happen. So we must make it a priority and be intentional about getting the word so that we can dig deep and get the things out of our life that needs to get out. And here's why it's so important. We'll see more as we keep reading. So we laid the foundation on a rock. One of the key things was parable, the rock. And when the flood arose, a storm came. You look at other translations, a storm came, a great rain came, and it caused the rivers and to flood. And so when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house, meaning it hit again and again. It wasn't just one boom. It was boom, boom. Boom, it was hit again and again and again and again, stronger and stronger, strong hits from a storm. How many know when a storm hits, it's not just, you know, a river rise hit once. It's a continual hit for however that storm lasts. So it'd be vehemently upon that house and it could not shake it for it was founded upon a rock. Now we'll get back to the word shake because that word shake is very interesting. Look at verse 49. But he that hears and does not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did be heat vehemently. So hit again and again and again and again. And what happened? Immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. It was a huge crash. It was a big destruction and it fell quick. Why? It didn't build, the, this group, this person didn't build his house on a rock. Now, you know, one of the things, you know, my kids love to watch is VeggieTales. Like, VeggieTales is on almost every single day. And sometimes I'm watching with us, man, that tomato better preach. That cucumber, man, that's some revelation, better preach. But one of these episodes, it was based on this parable. And so as my family was watching, I decided to, you know, do some trivia. I said, well... What is the rock of the story? What is the rock? Now, I'm gonna give you guys the same trivia question like I gave them. In this parable, what is the rock? If you're watching somewhere where you can comment, go ahead and comment. Whether you're on YouTube, whether you're on Facebook, whether you're on Twitter, go ahead and comment. What is the rock of this parable? What is the rock? Go ahead, I'll give you a few seconds to respond. Even those of you who kind of watch and kind of silent, go ahead and respond. Give y'all a few seconds. What is the rock of this parable? How many of you said, Jesus is the rock? Okay. How many of you say, the word is the rock? Well, if you answered that way, you're only partially correct. And if I was grading your paper, I wouldn't even give you the full credit. I'd mark you off maybe at least half. So what do you mean, preacher? Why would that full answer? I thought Jesus being the rock, the word is the rock. You know, hey, that's the safest answer. It is a safe answer, but it's not correct. It's not completely correct. And sometimes we only do partially the things we're supposed to do. And we don't see the full manifestation of the blessing. We're still blessed to some wonderful extent because God blesses us as much as he possibly can. But it's not God holding back his blessing. It's us holding back the rest of the blessing. And sometimes it's because of what we see here. See, the rock is not necessarily just the word. Because notice what Jesus said here. Verse 47, whosoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them. So notice, they come to Jesus, they hear him, and they do what he said. Compared to... Verse 49, but he that hears, that doesn't imply they did come to him, but those that hear and does not. So both groups heard the word. So you can't say, oh, these are people who don't know the word. No, no, no. Both groups, both people heard the word. One heard and did. The other one heard and did nothing with what he heard. So the rock in this parable is not just the word. It's the hearing and the doing of the word. And by implication in verse 48, that person heard the word and did the word to a point where they dug deep and got things out of the life 
that they needed to get out. And they laid a foundation of hearing and doing the word. And as they built the house, they built their life. As they began to build their life, the storm comes to everybody. But the storm came and it said it could not shake them. But when the storm came to the person who heard the word but didn't do it, not only did it shake their house, it caused their heart, house to crash. So the rock in this parable is hearing and doing the word. Now, I want to draw your attention to this word shake that we see in verse 48. Because for the person who heard and did the word, it couldn't shake a house. This word shake means to cause to totter, to overthrow, but also means to agitate the mind. It means to disturb. It means to cast down from one secure and happy state. I'll say it again. It means to cause the totter, to overthrow, to agitate the mind, to disturb, to cast down from one secure and happy state. So get this. Remember, the storm comes to everybody. But for the person who came to Jesus, who heard the word, who did the work. The storm came, but the storm didn't even disturb. The storm came, but it even agitated his mind. The storm came and could not take him out of his happy and peaceful state. So yes, he's in his house watching the storm beat on his house, but he's in a state of calm because of the foundation he built his life on. So if you build your house, the house of your life, on hearing and doing the word, when the storms come, I'm telling you, the storm is coming. Some of you are in a storm right now. The nation's in a storm right now. When the storm comes, you can be at peace. At a peace that people look at you, why aren't you panicking? The storm is raging around you, but you know the foundation you built upon. It's hearing and doing the word. Now, it's hard to build a house during a storm. It's not impossible, but it's hard to do. And so people are at different levels of storm during this time. But I encourage all of you, build your house. You might say, well, everything crashed. What do I do? Well, start over. Hear the word, do the word. And make decisions from here on out to hear and do the word. And I think sometimes the crashes is not in a complete life collapse. It could be in different areas of our life. You know, sometimes we compartmentalize our life. That we do the word over here and we don't do the word over here. And so over here is kind of steady, but over here is a complete destruction. So you need to look at these areas of your life and say, am I actually doing the word in every area of my life? You need to look at your relationships. You look at your family. You look at your finances. You need to look at how you manage your time. You need to look at your work life. Am I doing the word in these areas? And if you're not, fix it. If you are, build upon it. So that when the storm comes or the storm increases, it can't agitate you, can't disturb you, it can't shake you, can't overthrow you, can't agitate your mind. But you are in peace and you outlast the storm. Now, something else I want you to know. Something we learn from Proverbs 24.10 and Proverbs 18.4. A strong spirit will sustain you in the midst of adversity. If your heart, if your spirit is strong, built on the word, hearing and doing the word, your spirit will keep you going when life gets tough, when the pressures apply and everybody else will quit. Somehow you keep moving. Somehow you keep going. And what is that? Because you have spent the time building your heart in days past. The storm cannot overthrow you. Time in the word is never lost time. Time hearing the word preached is never lost time. Time reading the word is never lost time. Because as you do that, you strengthen your heart. You're digging deep. You're removing the stony ground of Mark chapter 4 and laying the foundation for your life so that you can endure and win when the pressures of the enemy and the pressures of life come your way. The message I continually have been telling you guys through this whole sheltering in place is a message of victory. You need to see yourself as victorious, Jesus. You need to know that God has given you the victory and you're coming out of this time better than you went in. Praise God. So revelation demands and produces action. Revelation demands and produces action because faith comes by hearing and hearing. That's what, how you set yourself up to receive more revelation. 
Peter was consistent around Jesus. He heard Jesus preach the word and he took time to spend time with God to get in his prayer closet and pray. Now, when I say prayer closet, it doesn't mean you have to go into your closet and pray. It's whatever your space of prayer is. One of the things I like to do, I like to walk and pray. Some people have a specific chair where they're praying. Some people have a war room prayer closet. Whatever works for you, make sure you have your dedicated time of prayer and make sure you get the word every day. Because when Peter did that, he received revelation from God about who Jesus is. So you continually stay in a place of prayer. Doesn't mean you stay in that prayer closet all day, but you continue that ongoing conversation with God throughout the day. You end the word every single day. You set yourself up to receive more revelation and receive more revelation is key. So we have the personal responsibility to read the word daily, read at least a chapter a day. We have the personal responsibility to listen to the word being preached. I encourage at least to one message a day. That's why we have several faith building messages on our Faith Plus app so you can listen to them and build your faith. That's the purpose of Faith Plus, to string faith to this generation. So listen to the word being preached daily. Spend time in prayer and do what God is telling you to do because faith without works is dead. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's begin to bring this to a close. Ephesians chapter 4. Notice what it says here. Verse 11. And he, Jesus, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. That word perfecting here means equipping and furnishing. For the work. Remember, saints are just holy ones. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're a saint. Then it says, for the work of the ministry. So it's not just the preachers who do the work of the ministry. It's all the body of Christ, every believer. For the edifying. This word edifying means to build up. It's the same word for build up we saw in Luke chapter 6 when the person build the house. For the building up of the body of Christ. Till we all come into the unity of the faith. That means we're growing into the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man. The word perfect there means mature. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children. That means we grew up, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, every wind of teaching by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. No, we're not going to settle for that anymore. We're not going to be caught up in that anymore. We're going to grow up. And what is one of the evidence of growing up? That we're speaking the truth in love. A lot of people say, well, I'm telling the truth. I posted the tr truth. I tweeted the truth. I posted a video about the truth. But did you say it in love? Well, well no, then you only did half. And that's why you're running into issues. You must speak the truth in love, not just speak the truth. So well, I spoke truth to power. Well, that's great. Speak truth to power in love. You can't just do one. You must do both. That you may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. For whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part makes increase of the body onto the edifying of itself in love. Now I want to read you that last scripture in the New Living Translation. It says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We all have our part. You have a part to play in your own spiritual growth, but you also have a part to play in the growth of your church and the growth of the universal body of Christ. You have a part to play. And see, the thing is, people say, well, you know, the church doesn't exist here. There's no church in the wild. As long as there's a believer somewhere, there is a church in the wild. There's a church in this time. There's a church in the pandemic. There is an effective church. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't know why the church exists, you know. One of the things is don't take a cues from people who don't even believe in Jesus, don't even believe in Christianity. So a lot of people say, well, I believe in Jesus, I don't believe in the church. You know, how can you believe in the head and not believe in the body? That just doesn't make sense. And so be careful to not take your cues from people who don't even believe the word of God that you believe. Be careful not to follow the example of those who don't even believe what God said. Just because it's a catchy meme doesn't mean it's true. Just because it rhymes doesn't mean it's true. You know, just because it's on social media doesn't mean it's true. You might say, well, you know, I don't believe everything on social media. Well, do you? 
Because it's not just about what you saw or you shared, it's what you keep thinking about and how you act on it. Is it because you saw something on social media, you treat someone differently because someone posted? And so remember, social media, it's just people. And so sometimes it's truth, sometimes it's gossip, sometimes it's slander, sometimes it's lies. And we have to sift through all these different things and not just believe everything we see. Whether it's on TV or social media, we just don't give in to it. We don't come and become like the world. We don't go into judging. We don't go enter the cancel culture. You got to understand, cancel culture is not kingdom culture. You know, canceling people because they made a mistake you didn't like. Well, we canceled them. Aren't you glad somebody had to cancel your behind because of something you did? All the things you think about that, you know, people, well, no, they should um, judge me by my heart, not my actions. But you judge everybody else by their actions. No. If we're going to go forward, we can't be these judgmental people that cancel everybody because of the mistakes they made. We have to, as you heard me say all the time, forgive everybody of everything. That doesn't mean everybody has access to your heart or in your inner circle, but you must stay in a place of forgiveness if you want to use, be used greatly by God. You got to let those things go. This is what I'm watching right now, and you're holding on to a hurt that's in your heart because of relationship. And they did you wrong. I'm not even saying they were right in any area, but you can't hold on to it. You holding on to it is going to be like bitterness that poisons your soul that over time it'll get you in a state of bitterness and you can get into better relationships soon. But when you get into that place, you're going to carry that bitterness from your last one if you don't deal with it now. And if you carry that bitterness, you will poison your next relationship. And that's not what God wants for you. So forgive that person and let them go. I'm not saying they deserve your forgiveness. I'm not even pleading their case with you. I'm pleading your own case with you. Let it go. Forgive. Receive the healing right now for your heart. Receive the restoration for yourself. Father, I pray for this person and all the people who fit this category. I pray for your anointing right now to bring healing to the soul, to healing to the broken heart, that you bring restoration, that you help them right now. Forgive everyone of everything so they can move forward in the plan you have for them. And they will overcome bitterness and not give in to the root of bitterness where it causes many to be defiled. In Jesus' name. And I command that spirit that's harassed you concerning this to shut its mouth and to leave you alone now. In Jesus' name. Praise God. So one of the things I want to remind you of. We have to be intentional about growing during this time. We have to be intentional about praying for others. We have to be intentional about giving. We have to be intentional about inviting others to attend church. Even if we're just meeting online, we have to be intentional. Go ahead and comment and type it in wherever you're watching. Type intentional. You've heard me say it several times. I don't know how many times I've said it in this message alone, but we have to be intentional. The location of our gathering and a sibling should not change our intentionality. You as an individual and our church is built on the revelation of who Jesus is. We are more than a building. We are a movement. We are faith and we will accomplish the vision God has given us. We will ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. So one of the things I also want to point back to Matthew 16 as we draw to a close. Matthew 16. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the healing anointing. Oh, Father, I thank you for that healing anointing. I pray for all those who are watching right now, who are dealing with any type of sickness, disease, pain, or infirmity, or spirit of infirmity. I release your power through these airways, through these phones, through these devices, through these computers, through these TVs. I release the life of God. I rebuke every sickness, every disease, every pain, and every infirmity. You leave their bodies right now. Jesus paid the price for their health. Jesus paid the price for them walking divine health. By the stripes of Jesus, I declare them healed. Father, you said in your word that you sent your word and you healed them. So I send your word of healing to them right now and command their bodies to be made whole in the name of Jesus. Some of you have been having back problems because you've been working from home and looking at your computer and your screen. Go ahead and begin to move your back and yet you see that you're healed. Go ahead and move your neck. You see that it's not as tense as it used to be. Glory to God. Someone's been having pain in their fingers because of the different type and things you've been doing. You know, they've diagnosed it this or that. I'm not sure what that is, but you just begin to move and you'll see healing has manifested in your fingers and your wrist. A carpal tunnel syndrome is under the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
Glory to God. I thank you for the healing anointing. Father, I give you the glory, honor, and praise for what you're doing in your people. I thank you that you're Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals us and takes sickness away from the midst of us. I thank you that by Jesus' stripes we healed. I thank you that the Holy Spirit ministers through the gifts of healing. And I thank you for what you just did in your people. Hallelujah. I thank you for the ministry of angels that are ministering to people's bodies right now. Give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Matthew 16. And if you just experience a healing power in your body, you can tell a difference for the better. Go ahead and comment below or contact us at info at FCCGA.com. We just want to celebrate and, and give God glory for what he just did in your body. Someone's been having some type of pain right here. I don't know what caused it, but you're being healed of that right now. Glory to God. Matthew 16, verse 18. And I say also unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So let's break down this end of this verse before we end our experience. What are gates? Well, in biblical times, the gates of fortified cities were used to hold councils in and were places of great strength. So what is he saying with this verse? The machinations, powers, policies, plots, strategies, strength, wisdom, censors, sentence, Satan's propaganda machine, his efforts of injustice, the financial tactics of hell will not prevail against the church. That's what the gates represented. I'll say it again. The machinations, powers, policies, plots, strategies, strength, wisdom, censures, sentence, Satan's propaganda machine, his efforts of injustice, the financial tactics of hell will not prevail against the church. What are the strategies of hell? Jesus lays them out in Mark chapter four. We've taught on them. If you get the Faith Plus app, you'll see them in our Soul War series. We taught on the different things and how you can overcome those things and the different emotions that go with them. The five strategies you see in Mark chapter four is affliction and persecution. Affliction is pressure brought by circumstance. Persecution is pressure brought by people. Cares is the cares, anxiety, or the worries of this world. The deceitfulness of riches, meaning you believe lies about riches. And then the lust of other things, inordinate desire for other things. Those things are the five tactics of the enemy to keep the word from working in your life. That's how he wages war against you. Whatever he's fighting with you, fighting with you about right now, you can trace it to one of those five tactics. Now, this word prevail means to overpower or to withhold. So the gates of hell shall not overpower or withhold the church. In reading of the scripture, many believers a picture they have this great image of the hordes of hell, all the armies of hell, all the demons and principalities and powers of hell and Satan himself fighting against the church. And just barely, just barely, the church holds on against this flood of onslaught of the enemy, just barely holding back, holding on to the last second ones out, and they overcome. But that's not what the verse is saying. When was the last time you saw some gates move? See, it's not us holding back the onslaught from taking us out. It says the gates of hell won't be able to withhold the church. It's the gates of hell, the strategies of hell, the powers of hell will not be able to hold the ecclesia back. So the gates, the machinations, the powers, the policies, the plots, the strategies, the strength, the censures, and the sentence of Satan and hell will not be able to hold back the church, the army of God that's marching forward with the mission of winning souls and snatching people from the grips of the kingdom of darkness. One of the other things about studying out about the gates of hell, this verbiage likens it to a vast or a great prison. So when you understand that it's a vast prison, that means there are people trapped in these strategies, policies, tactics of darkness, trapped who need what we have. That they didn't stop needing it because we're in a time of sheltering place. They didn't stop needing it because of the pandemic. They need it even more. Come on. This is a time people need the hope that Jesus gives. You know, there's some things we still have to do at the building. And one of our people who was working at the building, one of the vendors came to drop off something. He came to drop off something. But our deacon ministered to him and he got saved. He came to drop off something, but he left with Jesus. And he's watching right now. I'm so glad that you made that decision for Jesus. Congratulations, my brother. We're so excited for you. We're praying for you. And great job, Deacon, winning him to Jesus. 
And so you have to understand people need what we have. They need your prayers. They need to see your light shine. They need to see you overcome and live fear free. They need your testimony. They need you to invite them to church. Even though we're meeting one, they need you to invite them to this experience online. We need to be intentional about our witnessing and our evangelizing during these times. Not just when we're in the building. Some of us are intentional about inviting people to church. Some of you like, you know, every time you would they, you invite them to church and you stand right there outside of the guest line and say, see, pastor, I brought them. See, you were intentional. Some of you are even intentional about bringing people online. Other people say, well, they'll find the broadcast. No, go ahead and share. But also tell other people about us. Hey, you can watch us at 9, 11, 30, and 5. It'll be a blessing to you. We need to be intentional about our witnessing, our evangelizing, and inviting people to church. Even when we meet online, we must be intentional. You have to understand, the church is the most powerful institution in the earth ever. The building is not the most powerful institution. We are. We are the ecclesia. We are the church of the living God. And you have to understand the ecclesia is always on the move. We are not called to retreat. We are called to take ground for the kingdom. We must build our lives on the revelation of who Jesus is. We must build what God's called us to do here together as a body of believers on who Jesus is. We must spend time in the word, spend time in the person who gives us greater revelation so we can build on what he's already given us. You see, revelation will birth the strategy needed to counter and defeat Satan's schemes. Revelation will birth the strategy needed to counter and defeat Satan's schemes. We need to be people of prayer. We need to stay in the word. We need to grow in revelation. We need to tell others what God has done in our lives. We need to invite others to our gatherings. We need to be intentional. We are more than a building. We are a movement. We are faith and we will accomplish the vision God has given us. We will ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. We will do it because the vision has not stopped. It has not slowed down. We are not a building. We are a movement and we are faith. Thanks for watching today. We hope today's message was a blessing to you that empowered you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Hey, if you want to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith, you know, our vision statement is to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. And we'd love for you to be a part. You can find out our different experience times and our different locations by going to FCCGA.com. If you want to give, you can text FCCGA to 73256. You can also go to FCCGA.com to give online and be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to see you anytime you're in our area. We believe God has something good just for you. And anytime you come to our faith experience, we believe you will experience God and his plan for your life. So thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.